Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. our God. No Savior like our Savior. There is no rock, David said, like our rock. The Bible said, when my heart is overwhelmed, he said, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. I'm so glad I've got a place to go. I'm so glad that I have a place to run to in the time of trouble and in the time of need. It's a wonderful thing to be in God's house tonight. Thank you, Pastor Calhoun, for the invitation. It's always a privilege, always an honor to be here with all of you in this great church. And uh, we give honor to uh, the Calhoun family and uh, your pastor and pastor's wife. They do everything just right. And uh, the banquet yesterday was such a a uh, beautiful thing it was the food was great the decorations were uh, first class and I'm going to tell you uh, being a member of a landmark you don't have anything to take the tuck head about Uh, you've got every reason to walk tall and proud and say that's where I go to church And that's my pastor and pastor's family, and I'm happy about it. Praise God. And uh, I know you feel that way, but it don't uh, hurt us to be reminded of of how blessed we really are. And I'm so thankful to be a part of God's great kingdom. I'm glad to be in the kingdom for such a time as this. I believe this is a great time to be in the church And uh, I believe that God's got great things in store for his people. I believe that God's got great things in store for his church. And I want to be a part of what God is going to do. Do you feel that way today? Uh, Sometimes we can get in the mully grubs and get to complaining and whining and get to thinking that things are really terrible. But I'm going to tell you your Worst days living for God are better than the best days that sinners are having. You really got a good deal when you came into the church and found this truth. Got the wonderful Holy Ghost experience. I'm still excited about it. How about you? I'm still thankful for it. Amen. Out of all the people that are lost and in the darkness of sin... I feel so blessed and privileged today that God would let me see the truth. And so, uh, just good to be here in the atmosphere of worship and praise. And if you will turn with me tonight in your Bibles, once again, thank you, Pastor, for the wonderful invitation. And um, I just, um, I just uh, uh, feel at home. Of course, I'm originally from East Texas. Um, in fact, I I grew up down in um, in Orange, Texas, 
and uh, you folks were Yankees when I was growing up. Y'all are so far north. But um, uh, anyway, I've always loved coming back to East Texas where my roots are. God's blessed my family and I. We've been uh, pastoring in the same uh, town for almost 19 years. And uh, God has been very, very good to me. I, I, um, I'm very thankful for the hand of the Lord that has kept me and um, the hand of the Lord that has guided me. And I want to tell you, especially young people, if you'll let God direct your paths and you'll just live for God, get your eyes off the world, get your eyes off hypocrites, get your eyes off the people who want to draw you away, and if you'll just live for God, it will be amazing how God will bless you just for being faithful. I didn't say you had to be perfect. Nobody's quite got there yet. But if you'll just be faithful, and if you'll just get up every time you stumble, every time you, you have a, a, just a, a, a rough time, if you'll get back up and get back in that altar, and you'll stay faithful to God, it will astound you how God will bless you just for staying with the truth and staying with righteousness and staying with what is right. He will bless you, I'm telling you. Praise God. First Samuel chapter number 6 is where I would like to read tonight. First Samuel chapter number 6, and I will read several verses of, of Scripture there. Um, I'm, I'm not even sure if I have a title tonight, but I do... Uh, have something I want to talk about for just a few moments. And, and uh, there's such a sweet presence of the Lord in this place this morning. Um, sometimes, uh, sometimes after a, a wonderful time in the presence of the Lord, we can just kind of coast through another service. But uh, I trust that you will help me preach for just a few minutes tonight. Will you do your best? I know it's holidays and we've got our mind on Santa Claus and, and all the things that come with uh, the December days, but if you'll help me preach for just a few uh, minutes, I believe the Lord has something for us in this service. First Samuel chapter 6, verse number 1, and the ark of the Lord was in the country of the Philistines seven months, and the Philistines called for the priests and the diviners, saying, What shall we do to the ark of the Lord? Tell us wherewith we shall send it to his place. And they said, If you send away the ark of the God of Israel, send it not empty, but in any wise return him a trespass offering. Then ye shall be healed, and it shall be known to you why his hand is not removed from you. Then said they, What shall be the trespass offering which we shall return to him? They answered, Five golden emeralds, and of five golden mice, according to the number of the lords of the Philistines. I want you to notice here, five golden mice according to the number 
of the lords of the Philistines, for one plague was on you all and on your lords. Wherefore, you shall make images of your emeralds and images of your mice that mar the land, and you shall give glory unto the God of Israel. For adventure, he will lighten his hand from off you and from off your gods and from off your land. I want to talk to us for a few minutes tonight uh, on something that it ought to help us to know, it ought to encourage us to know, ought to give us a little comfort to know, and that is your enemy is God's enemy too. Amen. The devil that has been fighting you, the devil that has been trying to stop you, the devil that has been trying to discourage you is the same devil that has been fighting God and his people for a long time. And so if my enemy, if my enemy that I've been fighting against, if I have a promise that God is fighting against my enemy, that makes the chances of victory go up tremendously. Hallelujah. I want to talk about these Philistines tonight, and um, we're going to talk about them just a little bit. But how many of you are facing something in your life today you need the help of God with? Maybe some of you have it all together and you've got it figured out and you don't, you don't, you don't need any help. But I wonder if uh, there's anybody that would be honest and you'd pray with me as we start this message that uh, God would give you the help you need in the days to come. For whatever adversary, whatever struggle, whatever battle that you are facing today, I'm telling you God wants to give you the help that you need. Let's lift our hands today and let's lift our voice. God, as we turn our attention to your word, Lord, as we look to you, Jesus, we know that you are the help that we need. You are the strength that you need, that we need. God, you have the victory, Lord, the victory that we so desperately need in this moment in our lives. God, we lift our eyes unto the hills from whence cometh our help. Our help comes from the Lord, the creator of heaven and earth. God, we know that you can give us the breakthrough. You can give us the strength. You can give us the miracle that we need in Jesus' name. Praise God. Let's clap our hands one more time. Thank you, Lord. You may be seated. God bless you in the presence of the Lord tonight. To adequately understand the nation of Israel and their time of dwelling in the land of Canaan, the massive, the massive challenge of taking the promised land and then keeping the promised land, you must know something about these people called the Philistines. It seemed that these people made it their mission to inflict misery on the people of God. It seemed that the 
Philistines were always hanging around trying to terrorize the Hebrews. And they hung around for generations, going all the way back to the days of Isaac, the son of Abraham. These people were nothing but troublemakers. As Isaac was living off of the wells that his father had dug. Everybody knows you got to have water to live. You got to have water. It is a vital source of life. And and so if you got cattle, cattle have to have water. If you have servants or employees, they have to have water. Family, children, animals, livestock, whatever it is, it has to have water. If you grow crops, they have to have water to 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 grow and to produce. And so Water is so important, and in that part of the world where rivers and streams are scarce, it's important to have wells and to maintain those wells. But the Philistines would come along, and they would throw dirt in the wells that Abraham had dug, trying to cut off the water supply, trying to cut off the vital source of life for Isaac and all that belong to him. Can I tell you, it's no different today. The Philistines are still throwing dirt in the well. They are still trying to clog up the source of life for you. Some people, there's no living water springing up in their lives because Philistines keep throwing dirt in their well. Some people don't ever feel the presence of God when they come to church because Philistines are throwing dirt in the well. Some people never get anything out of preaching because Philistines, they let the Philistines throw dirt in the well. Some people never do connect with the church. They never do get involved in worship. They never get anything out of the altar service because they're always listening to the wrong voices. They're always listening to the wrong influences and the Philistines are throwing dirt in their well. I'm telling you today, if you're one of those, you're wondering, why am I not getting more out of serving God? Why am I not getting anything out of the preaching? Why didn't I feel anything at the church service tonight? You need to go back and dig the well again. You need to get your experience new again. You need to stay away from the gossipers. You need to stay away from the backsliders that want to say nothing but nothing good about the church. You need to stay away from the negative influences on you that you know drag you down, that diminish your desire for God and say, I want the well to flow. I want the living water to spring up inside of me unto eternal life. I want the river to be flowing like it needs to. You can't hang around Philistines that's always throwing dirt in the well and have have the experience with God that you need. Amen. So all the way back to the days of Isaac, they were uh, assaulting and terrorizing the people of God. After generation of generation of the Israelites battling with these Philistines, God finally raised up a man by the name of Samson. He was a man of extraordinary strength, and he was a man of of great anointing. 
And he was able to help them, the children of Israel, throw off the heavy shackles of the Philistines. And uh, for a time, the dominion switched from the Philistines inflicting pain on the Israelites to under the leadership of Samson, the Israelites were victorious over the Philistines. He was successful for 20 years, the Bible said. He was judge over Israel. And there was such a, a hand of God upon him that he could take the jawbone of a donkey and he slew a thousand Philistines in battle because of what God, well, it didn't matter the weapon. And I want to tell you something, it doesn't matter the weapon today. Sometimes we think we have to get everything just right. We have to have everything just right to have victory over the Philistines. I'm going to tell you, if you've got God on your side, you can just have an old bone that belonged to a donkey and you can evermore have some victory with just whatever that you've got in your hand if you've got the anointing on your side. I'm telling you, God wants to give you victory over the Philistines. God wants to help you overcome the things that are inflicting misery on you. It's not God's will you live defeated. It's not God's will you live depressed. It's not God's will you be down and out all the time. It's not God's will you be on a, an emotional roller coaster. It's God's will you get the victory over the Philistines in your life. Praise God. Then you find that they finally seem to get the upper hand on Samson. They finally caught him in a weak moment. And he gave away his anointing. He gave away his future. He gave away his destiny. And we find Samson with his eyes gouged out by the Philistines. He is grinding at the mill like an animal. And they are making fun of him. He is nothing but a laughing stock because the Philistines just never seem to go away. They never seem to relent. They never seem to give up fighting against the people of God. Then you come to the days of Eli, the priest. And Eli was a good man, but, but uh, it just seems that his leadership skills were quite weak wasn't quite able to confront wrongdoing, wasn't able to stand up and have courage in the face of sin, especially uh, among those that were close to him. And so we find that the Israelites go to battle in the days of Eli against the Philistines. And, and in desperation, the elders of Israel decided to carry the Ark of the Covenant into battle with them. It was a terrible decision. It was a fatal mistake for many of them. They carried it into battle and Israel was smitten once again. Uh, and and in fact, in fact, the ark fell into the hands of the enemy. Can I tell you tonight that God does not want to be used. God doesn't want you just running to go get him whenever you're in trouble, and that's the only time he hears from you. They said, oh, we've got a battle against the Philistines. Let's go get God. They should have been walking with God for a long time before then. 
Some people want to do whatever they want to do, and then when they get in trouble, pray, church, pray. Come help me out, preacher. Please come help me out. Let me tell you, God does not want to be your lucky charm. God does not want to be your rabbit's foot. I'm telling you, God wants you to walk with Him in relationship. I know a lot of people say, Oh, my husband said he's going to divorce me. Oh, pray. No, you should have been praying a long time ago. Oh, my, my child is sick or I'm sick. I got a bad diagnosis. Go get God. It's not time to go get God then. Amen. You just walk with God when everything's all right. You just pray and worship when everything is all right. And then when you get in trouble, God's going to be there. Amen. They had the wrong idea about it. They said, let's go get the ark now when they were in trouble. And they ended up losing the ark. It fell into the hands of the Philistines. I'm telling you, these Philistines, they were not pushovers. They were real enemies. They, they were no empty suits of armor. They, they had some mighty warriors. They had some great champions. In fact, you know the story well. Probably the most prominent among them was Goliath. You look in that chapter where David confronted him and over and over David refers to this Philistine or the Philistine, the Philistine, the Philistine. Over and over it's referred to him and it keeps it prominent in our brains. This was a Philistine that David was fighting. Not just a giant, but he was a Philistine giant. He was not just a warrior, but he was a Philistine warrior. So these Philistines were continual and ongoing enemies to the people of God. And can I tell you tonight that just like Israel had an enemy, you have an enemy. You've got an enemy that's trying to stop you from going to heaven trying to stop you from having the joy of the Lord. You have an enemy that's trying to get you distracted from what is important and what should be priorities in your life. And just as Israel suffered damage at the hands of their enemy, so you have suffered damage. Anybody ever suffered some damage that the enemy has inflicted on you? I've lost some things because of what the enemy has done. Hallelujah. Amen. Can you imagine how demoralizing it must have been for God's people to realize the Ark of the Covenant, the most sacred thing that we possess. It represented the presence of God. It represented the glory of God. The Ark is now in the hands of of our adversary. What must it have done to the self-esteem of the Israelite, to the faith and confidence of the Israelite to live under the shame and the embarrassment that the enemy has stolen something precious from me. To live under the, the humiliation that the most sacred possession that I have ever had has fallen into Philistine hands. You know, when it seems like that
the enemy has the upper hand, it does something to your mind. When it seems like the enemy, the adversary, has gotten the upper hand, have you ever had a time when it looked like the devil was winning? Maybe you can't admit that tonight. Maybe it kind of ruined your testimony a little bit. But I'm going to tell you, I've had times as a minister. I'm just speaking for me tonight. But uh, I hated to walk out on the platform because it looked like the devil was winning the battle. Hallelujah. Well, you can't say anything. I understand. I, I realize that. But it affects your faith. It affects your your good feeling about serving God and your confidence. It messes with your head just a little bit. But oh, let me tell you, regardless of what you may have lost, regardless of what you may have lost, the, the Israelites are over there. They say, oh, it's terrible. The ark is taken. Uh, Eli's dead. Hophni and Phinehas are dead, and, and we don't know what we're going to do. And to, to top it all off, one of the wives of the priest's son, she was in childbirth when the news of the defeat got to her, and she named her child Ichabod, which means the glory has departed. We lost the ark. We've lost some precious things. And so God's glory, God's presence, God's anointing surely cannot be with us in these circumstances. Whew. Hallelujah. Reminded, I was preaching in Kentucky here a while back. And uh, they were telling me in, in one of the churches there, somebody decided to, they, they got real spiritual one night. and They decided they wanted to give out tongues and interpretation. They shouldn't have been giving out tongues and interpretation. They, they really wasn't uh, qualified for it. But they, they thought and uh, said, uh, Yeah, I say unto thee, Thou art in such a mess, I have written Michelob over the door. <laughs> That's bad. I just thought Ichabod was bad. That, <laughs> They, they might have been more spiritual than what people gave them credit for. But, but, uh, but uh, in people's minds, it, it, uh, Ichabod, well, not Michelob, uh, Ichabod had been written over the door. We've lost, we've lost some precious things, and now the anointing is not going to be here. And, and uh, you know... Uh, how are we going to prove that God is real? Let me tell you, God doesn't need me and He doesn't need you to prove that He's real. Matter of fact, God can work with or without us. God can work while you're stumbling and while you're tripping. Well, tripping may not be the right word. <laughs> while you have tripped and stumbled and fallen I'm telling you God can still work God can work in spite of your failures God can work in spite of your mistakes God can work in spite of how many times you've shown how human you really are Woo, hallelujah amen amen
And while, while the Israelites had their head in their hands and were wondering what they were going to do, I want to tell you where they couldn't see and where they couldn't understand and where they were not at the moment, God was still working. God's power was still just as real. God's power was still on display. God had not lost His power. God had not lost His glory. God had not lost His ability to still fight the enemy. Samuel wasn't over there, but God was still fighting the enemy. David hadn't risen up yet, but God was still fighting the enemy. Samson had long been in his grave, but God was still fighting the enemy. Amen. Amen. There there, there was a lot of things that was wrong in Israel and a lot of things to be embarrassed about. But I want to tell you, where the Israelites couldn't even see, God was still working against the Philistines. And I want to tell somebody tonight, uh, I don't know what you're going through, but God's still fighting against your Philistine. Uh, I don't know what kind of battle you feel like you've lost, uh, but God is still working on the Philistine. Woo. Hallelujah. And while the Philistines, they thought they were going to have a victory celebration, their gods had won And the God of the Israelites had lost. They had it all wrong. They had it all wrong. I'm telling you, they had it all wrong. The Israelites may have lost, but God never loses. The Israelites may have lost the ark, but I'm telling you, God is still a victorious God. The Israelites may have shamed themselves, but God was still able to work. They brought in the Ark of the Covenant and set it in the house of their God, Dagon. Now, Dagon was quite, he was quite a figure. He, he was quite, quite the, the idol. In fact, he is very strange. He was... He was half fish and half uh, bearded man. Had a long beard. The head of a man with a beard and the body of a fish. Dagon. He was he was quite the deal. Part mermaid, part duck dynasty. <laughs> Thought I'd throw in something for you carnal people, but. I tell you what, some people, they pay attention when the Bible is preached. For other people, other things get their attention, praise God. But, so they had their tall idol set up. They had Dagon up here, the Ark of the Covenant down here. The God of the Philistines was high and exalted, and the God of the Israelites had become lowly. But they didn't understand God didn't need an Israelite, a priest, a king, a Levite, any of them over there in Philistine country to do his work. He's still working. I'm so glad I know that my enemy is God's enemy too. I'm so glad I know. 
that God is going to get the last word and God is going to have the upper hand and God is going to have victory over my enemy. I might as well get with God's program. I might as well just sell out and be 100% for God because God has already declared war on my enemy. He said that my enemy, his head is going to be bruised under his heel. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, there is victory already promised in God. And so they come in there the next morning and they come to the temple of Dagon and much to their surprise, Dagon now is down here and the Ark of the Covenant is up here. I told you God was at work. He didn't even need any of them to be present. Dagon has fallen and the Israelites, they think, uh, or the Philistines, they think maybe this is a mistake. Maybe, maybe something's happened, some kind of freakish force of nature has happened here. And we'll fix it. We'll fix it. We'll just set him back up again. I want to ask you today, do you have a God that you have to prop up? Or does your God pick you up? Let me tell you, I'm so glad I don't serve a God that I've got to go pick him up. I've never, your pastor said it already today, God never has a bad day. Nothing catches him by surprise. He's not asking anybody for antidepressants. No, 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 no. Your God is not wringing his hands wondering what he's going to do. Nobody has to pick him up. But there's been plenty of times he's reached down and picked me up. Been times I was troubled in my spirit. And all it took was one apostolic church service. And he picked me up. There's been times I was down in the pit. But he reached down into the pit where I was. And he picked me up. There was times I was oppressed. But he reached down to where I was. And he picked me up. Ooh. Hallelujah. I don't know what you're going through tonight, but I want to tell you, he can still pick you up. I don't know what's knocked you down, but I want to tell you, he can still pick you up. I don't know what's got you troubled, but he can still pick you up. I don't know why your spirits are low, but he can still pick you up. Hallelujah. Amen. You know, you can be seated. People today, people today, they have strange gods. Oh, they cheer. They cheer a certain team. And when their team wins, they're so joyful. When their team loses, they're in the depths of despondency. I'm telling you, I've never seen anything like it. This world has gone sports crazy. It's their God today. It's their God. It's what they worship. It's what they get excited about. But if that's your God tonight, let me tell you, your God has to be picked up. There's teams right now as the football season is winding down. There's teams, they're firing the old coach looking for a new one. Because that God's got to be propped up. 
they're, they're looking to get rid of some players and, and looking to get some new players because that God's always got to be picked back up. They're telling me today that there are new addictions that people have. One of the addictions that people have today is to a computer or um, a smartphone that, that before, before people go to bed, the last thing they do is, they, is, is they've got to, to check. They've got to check the email. They've got to check Facebook. Uh, they've got to check Instagram. They've got to check uh, all. And, and, and if that thing just buzzes a little bit, they cannot resist You know why? Because this thing has gotten to be in charge. Oh, y'all ain't going to help me now. Come on, breathe in, breathe out. It'll be all right. <laughs> you know, I, I, I mean, and, you, you know, people are literally addicted. This is not coming from, from apostolic preachers. It's coming from sociologists and psychologists. They're saying people, people are just addicted to something that has a screen on it. And and uh, the first thing they do when they wake up is check their phone. You know, just zzz, there's a little buzz. Oh, something, something for me. A little bit of excitement goes off. Neurons start firing in the brain. Something for me. It, it may be an ad for 20% off at Home Depot. You may not have been to Home Depot for 20 years, but something for me. It might be your old crazy second cousin that just got out of the, the insane asylum and he may be cussing out you and your mama and your grandma, but something for me. It's an addiction people have today. Come on, somebody. Y'all ain't saying nothing. You don't all have to shout at one time, I'm telling you. <laughs> but let me tell you, if this is your God, if this is your God, just go a little bit without plugging it up somewhere. This thing doesn't have much power. I mean, you listen to people who say, i, I got to find I'm on 6%, and I don't know what it is about this thing, but I'm telling you, when I get down to less than 20%, it just goes down, because you use it so much. My battery, I don't know what's wrong. This battery just don't seem to be lasting as long as it used to. I'm tell, I tell you what... These things, you got to charge them up. You got to plug them into a power source because, really, on their own, they have no power. Right. It makes for a lousy God. Right. Woo, hallelujah, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Woo, because it has to be propped up. But let me tell you today yes, yes, I rely on it probably more than I should. But oh, let me tell you, this hadn't done very much for me. But let me tell you about a God. I could tell you about songs. Just one song sung in a church service. And it reached down and picked me up. God sent the right preacher along. And it just reached down and picked me up. During a worship time, I, I felt the glory. I felt His presence. I felt His power. And it reached down into the pit that I was in. And it picked me up. Oh, that's a good God. He's done what a smartphone can never do. He's done what a ball team can never do. He 
He's done what the MVP could never do for me. He's picked me up. Amen. You can be seated. Oh, I don't have time to preach about the next day when they came in to have their worship service. Dagon had fallen back down. You know, God just outdoes himself. If you'll live for him and stay faithful, God just keeps outdoing himself. The next day when Dagon fell, his head was broken off and his hands were broken off, which means that he didn't have any ability to know and he didn't have any ability to do. That's two things my God specializes in. I don't know what you're facing today, but he knows. I don't know what kind of burden that you're carrying tonight, but he knows. I don't care what kind of of inward battle that you're going through and what kind of struggle and turmoil is going on on the inside, but he knows. Nobody else may know, but he knows. And thank God, he not only knows, he can do something about it. He can give you a peace that passes all understanding. He can impart to you a joy that is unspeakable and full of glory. He can do it. Not only does he know, but he can reach. His hand is not short that he cannot save. Hallelujah. And so the people at Ashdod, where the temple of Dagon was, they said, we got to get rid of this thing. We don't want this Ark of the Covenant. We don't know how to handle the glory. We don't know how to handle the presence of God. They sent it away to the place called Gath. If you will remember, that's the hometown of Goliath. And I want to tell you, when that Ark came to Gath, the Bible said, God smote the entire city with a very great destruction. God did not need an Israelite soldier with a sword in his hand. God sent destruction against the enemy. God did not need a man with spear and a shield and armor. God worked destruction against the enemy. It was so bad, the ark did not stay in Gath very long. They sent it to Ekron, another Philistine city. When the ark got to the city limits of Ekron, you can read it in your Bible. It's such an interesting story. When it got there, they had heard about the defeat of Dagon in Ashdod. They had heard about the plague and the disease that had come to Gath. The Ekronites met the ark at the border and said, Not here. We don't want it. We already heard what kind of power accompanies this ark. We know what God can do to us. And sure enough, while the ark is in the vicinity, they were also hit with sickness and with pain and with a plague. Can I tell you, it doesn't matter where they live. It doesn't matter where they are. God can fight Philistines all by himself. It may be a Philistine on your job. 
It may be a Philistine in your family. It may be a Philistine in your health. It may be a Philistine in your finances. It, may be, it doesn't matter the location of the Philistine. God can bring destruction to it. It may be a Philistine in your mind. It may be a Philistine in your spirit. It may be a Philistine in a place nobody understands. But I'm telling you, God can fight against Philistines. Whether they're in Ashdod or Gath or Ekron, it doesn't matter to God. God can give the victory. Hallelujah, hallelujah. He was more than the Philistines could handle. Finally, these superstitious Philistines, they they came together. They said, look, we have got to get this ark back to the Israelites. And so they decided to build a cart, to hook up this cart to two cows. Two milk cows that had baby calves leave the calves in the barn, send the cows down the road. And they said, if the cows head toward the border of Israel, we know this is a God thing. If the cows want to turn back and go back to their baby calves, then we know this is just a superstition of ours. And so they prepare to send the ark back. And somebody, somebody spoke up and said, we don't need to just send the ark back. We need to send an offering. This is another sermon for another time, but God can even get offerings out of Philistines. And so... They said, uh, we've got to send something back, and we want to send something with meaning. And so they took and sent jewels of gold accompanying this ark back to the Israelite border. Now, the Bible said that they fashioned modern translation says that that many of the Philistines were hit with uh, tumors and that they fashioned tumors to sin that were made of gold and uh, I don't want to focus on them too much tonight but it says that there were five golden mice five golden mice that were fashioned and and it seems like every time these mice are mentioned it's always in connection to the lords of the Philistines Five golden mice according to the number of the lords of the Philistines. Now, I, I know that that uh, some say that there was a plague broke out of mice running everywhere. That's probably true. But I want to point out to you here that when it talks about these mice, it said according to the number of the Philistine lords. These five golden mice. Mice for these Philistine lords who were the leaders of Philistia. These mice and these five Philistine lords. Can I tell you today that there was something, I believe there was something in these Philistine mentalities that after God showed them up, They could have fashioned anything. They could have had lions to represent the Philistine Lord. 
One mice for each Philistine lord. Right? Am I right? One mice or one mouse for each Philistine lord. Can, can I tell you, out of all the things they could have fashioned, they fashioned just about the most unscariest. Well, I know people are scared of mice. But they really can't do a whole lot to you. Is it possible that these Philistine lords, when God got through with them, they saw themselves as nothing but mice. They saw themselves as being awfully mousy in the presence of God. Can I tell you that your situation and your enemy may be a great big Philistine to you, but it's nothing more than Mickey Mouse to God? It may be a great big Philistine giant to you, but I'm going to tell you, it's just a Mickey Mouse situation in the presence of God. God can handle it. God can defeat him. If it's a Philistine, Lord, he's nothing but a mouse. Now, 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 uh, let me tell you, one of the most, one of the most, um, uh, commonly used laboratory animals that scientists use to try out all kinds of things. Try out a new drug, try out a new antibiotic, try out a whatever test, trials that they go through. They use mice. You know why? Because mice are helpless in the hands of a scientist. Mice cannot, you can read, I bought a book recently about all the things they've done and, and, and all of the ways that they test things on these laboratory mice. And, I mean, they, 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 just, they just take the mice, they inject them with some kind of chemical, and, and sometimes the chemicals just make them fall over dead. The mice can't help it. They, sometimes the chemicals just make the mice just run. Mice can't do anything but just respond in however the scientist is looking for. They take mice and they, they put them in vats. They, just, they, wanna, they, they do experiments. They put them in, in vats and, and they make them swim. And these mice, they swim, 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 swim. And they said, well, it took eight minutes for that one to die. Well, it took 12 minutes for that one to die. Because mice are helpless in the hands of a man. Can I tell you that Philistines are helpless in the hands of God? They they take um, they take mice. One of the one of the uh, studies that that I read is that they 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 got some kind of detection device that that it has detected that mice actually giggle. When you tickle them, and they had this this sonar detection, it, it can it can pick up signals of high pitch that the human ear cannot, but it can pick up these signals and these sounds and translate them into into sounds that the human ear can hear. And wouldn't you like to have a job that all you have to do is tickle mice? 
I mean, the poor mouse, he's thinking, here comes that weirdo again. All he wants to do is tickle me and put it on a tape recorder. I mean, don't these people have better things to do? Just, just grab the mouse and just tickle them, and, and they've got their life. We've got recordings. I mean, here it is. We've got it recorded. Mice really do giggle when you tickle them. That's your tax dollars at work, praise God. <laughs> but the mice are helpless in the hands of a man. It doesn't matter if the scientist wants to tickle him, put him in a vat of water and see how long it takes him to drown, see how long he will swim. It doesn't matter what he wants to inject him with. Uh, we heard one preacher preach some time back. He had a, a, a woman who is a research scientist and they put this mouse on a little contraption and just spin that mouse around in circles and circles and circles and circles and then take it off that contraption and cut its top, top of its head off and then look at its brain. See what the brain's doing when that mouse has been spinning round and round and round and round, round. I don't know how that knowledge and information helps them, but it's science and it's research. The mouse is helpless to defend himself. Can I tell you that your enemy in the hands of God is nothing more than a Mickey Mouse situation. Your enemy gets in the hands of God. God can bring him down. God can win the battle. God can put his world to spinning. God can hold him down and tickle him. Amen. Until he gives up. God is still in control. God still has the power. God is still able. I came to tell somebody, quit telling your, your God how big your problem is. It's time to tell your problem how big your God is. Your God can still give you victory. Your God can still help you overcome. Your problem is not too much for God. Ooh, you can stand with me. My, my, my. What a wonderful day it was for the Israelites when that ark was carried by those cows back into the border of Israel. The men of Beth Shemesh, they had a worship service. They slew those cows. They made a sacrifice and they rejoiced and they sent word through all of Israel. The ark has returned. Let me tell you. What you feel like you've lost, you may not have really lost. The things that the enemy has stolen from you, in time, God is going to put them back in your hands. <laughs> God is going to put them back in your possession. You'll be shouting again, believe me. You'll be rejoicing again, believe me. All is not lost tonight. You'll be thanking God again. Because while you cannot see, and while the tears are still in your eyes, God's working on the Philistines. God's got them in His hands. God's turning the Philistine world upside down. God's bringing the Philistine idols down. God's working toward your victory. And He can give you back everything. <laughs>
I said he can give you back everything that you've lost. Everything you think that has slipped through your fingers, God can bring it back into your life again. Oh, hallelujah. I don't know what you lost. I don't know what is out of sight that you used to have today. But I wish we'd gather around the front today and I tried not to preach too long. I wish we'd gather around the front today and I wish we would just come and rejoice in spirit.